On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, we'll be discussing a major hit for the Bengals that was written by Prince, and that song is Manic Monday. And joining me to talk about the lyrics to Manic Monday is Tara Betts. Welcome back to the show, Tara. Hey, Jason. Good to hear from you again and see you. <laughs> Thank you. Good to see you, too. Um, we've we've done a few episodes now, and I think uh, the listeners enjoy your perspective. And um, the song you chose, we I was doing a bunch of kind of um, vault tracks. This isn't a vault track per se, but it's the original Prince version, the one that he recorded for the Bengals. Well, really for Apollonia 6, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. The version yeah. he recorded uh, ended up showing, uh, ended up on the originals album that was released in 2019, where there was a bunch of, we'll call them vault tracks that were, became avail- available to us that maybe we knew existed or uh, probably predicted they existed, but never maybe heard all of them. Uh, There was versions of this song floating around before um, non-Bangles versions that I should say, including one with Apollonia's vocals. Also, we could talk about that a little bit too, but as far as Manic Monday, Tara, were you a fan of this song as it was performed by the Bangles? You know, the, the band who, you know, made this song popular. Yeah. Well, I definitely think it was, well, since I'm solidly Gen X at this point, um, it was definitely, (laughs) it made me go back and think about all these girl bands from the eighties that were really like, if you went roller skating or you had the radio on or you watched MTV at all, they were going to be on there. The Bengals was among them. I thought about the Go-Go's. I thought about Banana Rama like a lot of people like that who we really don't talk about now but those songs do come up in the culture like i've seen banana rama's cruel summer in a couple of videos and stuff like that and then the go-go's not just from their pop stuff but because they did punk music before i think they've kind of solidified themselves as being in the pop music culture in a way that you can't kind of deny or dismiss and you know being very much tied together with a bunch of other people it's funny you mentioned that because when i was listening to the bangles version of manic monday on spotify the very next song that spotify chose to play for me was our lips are sealed by the go-go's so (laughs) you got they know that they know the algorithm they know what other bands people who listen to the bangles probably want to hear they do (laughs) they do bands from that era Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm very familiar with the song from way back, and I was listening to the radio pretty heavily and watching MTV heavily in '85, '86 when the song was released and becoming popular. Uh, and I enjoyed the song, and it was one of those again where I think I heard it on maybe the Casey Kasem Top 40 Countdown, where he said something about Prince having written the song. Um, I didn't know that until it was announced by a radio DJ just because, you know, Google wasn't a thing. And that kind of information, especially to someone as young as myself at the time, I was about 10, 11. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't that common. Like I wasn't browsing magazines and talking to other Prince fans like, oh, did you hear you wrote the you wrote the Bengals Magnet Monday? No, I had to have somebody tell me and somebody uh, on the radio had to tell me that. So. Um, I don't know how did, how did do you remember finding that out or was it just kind of always known to you 
I think it might have been Casey Kasem. And I, I think I get a little sad about that sometimes because I don't remember if he died and that's how he left or he retired. But Casey Kasem had the most soothing voice. Yeah, so I wanted voice. to listen to whatever he had to say. Like he always dropped something really interesting. So it might have been, he might have been how I found out too. But I think it's really interesting because we didn't have podcasts. We didn't have the internet or social media to tell us this. It was like you kind of handed stuff around and that's how you found out bits mm -hmm. and pieces. It was easier for artists like Prince to kind of maintain that level of mystery that way. Right. I think he was credited as Christopher or something like that on, right. on the Bangles album as the writer. So again, all these pseudonyms didn't make it easy for us either he wasn't mm -hmm. very overt with it and uh that's fine i mean eventually it all came out but at the time he didn't realize how much of a stranglehold he had on pop culture on pop music on the charts in general uh if you weren't if you weren't buying if you weren't paying attention or buying his previous work prior to like 1999 you might not have known that shaka khan's i feel for you was a print song mm -hmm. You might not have known that Cindy Lauper's When You Were Mine from a huge, massive, successful album, She's So Unusual, was a Prince song if you didn't have Dirty Mind, um, because it wasn't necessarily a given that you could just look this stuff up. And even if somebody had told me, I remember back then, people would just share information, but you had to take it with a grain of salt. Like somebody could have been lying, you know, or yeah. they might, might have heard wrong or got it mixed up and it wasn't prince it was somebody else that wrote it right so you just had to when somebody with authority like casey Kasem said it then it was like okay it's canon now that that's a prince song and now i know this and i can mm -hmm. put put any questions to bed regarding yeah it's who, been who was the composer yep exactly i did think it was kind of cute though that he chose christopher because if you think back to Under the Cherry Moon, what was the name of his character in the movie? Christopher mm -hmm. Tracy. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's same era too. Same era. Yeah. Although, as we if we track this back, so let's track this song a little bit it's because it does have a, a bit of an interesting background. Mm -hmm. Because Prince Prince didn't write it for the Bangles. Like he didn't think to himself, oh, this would be a great song for the Bangles. I'm going to write them a song. Um, I I want to I want to work with them so badly. I'm going to write them a song. Um, this song was intentioned for an Apollonia Six for right. uh, for their album for their second album. I think it was. I don't think it was ever planned to be on their first album. Um, I I might be wrong on that one. If I take a look at when it was written, yeah. Some people say he fell out with Vanity too. So I don't know if it was a Vanity Six song. But most people say it was an Abalonia Six song. Yeah, and it's they mainly say that because I think by the time he, yeah by the time he finally recorded it, according to Prince Vault, his first tracking of this song occurred in February of eighty four. So I guess it could have been on the first Apollonia Six song or first Apollonia Six album because that wasn't released until later in eighty four. But it definitely by february 84 vanity was obviously already out because right the whole the whole movie had already been filmed with apollonia as the lead by february of 84 so mm -hmm. i'm taking that back it was probably written 
with Apollonia 6's debut album in mind if it was February of 84 but it obviously didn't make that album I mean we have we have the final configuration of the Apollonia 6 album and it doesn't include Manic Monday so it's interesting like such a I don't know seemingly a slam dunk of a track to include on an album that you want to have some pop success didn't include a song that was clearly written with pop success in mind yeah, uh, i'm not clearly, sure what the reasons for that was yeah and clearly written for like women too mm, very much so yes yeah like i think the last song we talked about was that song that it was a song where basically a, a woman had covered it and you were mentioning that and prince had originally done it now i can't remember what it was but in any case, regendering the song made it very different. Even if you mm. just had a woman singing it, but I feel like this one he definitely meant to be like, let me talk in the voice of this woman and think about her concerns. Like, what are the things that would be on her mind if she had to go to work on a Monday morning? Mm -hmm. So there's some nice turns throughout the song that make me go, yep, I know that feeling. Yeah, it looks like, well, we did an episode on I Love You In Me. That was it. That yeah. was it. I wanted to say I Love You In Me, but I didn't want to say the wrong song. Yep, that's what it was. It was I Love You In Me from the um, the Batman era. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the song clearly being written for a woman, for whatever reason, he did not decide to put it on the Apollonia 6 album. There is a version with Apollonia's vocals that has been leaked. It's floating around out there. You can find it on, on YouTube. Uh, but also he was writing songs for Sheila E. at this time for her debut album. So I guess in theory it could have been a Sheila E. song, but it, it didn't. It, it ultimately didn't make it on that album either. So it kind of got just pushed aside for a little bit not not for super yes. long but for a little bit and um i think you know he intended it for i think he maybe intended it for a duet according to what i've read between him and apollonia originally just like take me with you was but um that's not what we ended up getting like his version has and by his version i mean the version that was on originals has him in the lead vocals, and then you have, I think it's um, either Brendan and Jill or Brenda and Susan, somebody. I think it's basically Brenda for sure and Jill. Yeah, Brenda and Jill are on um, the background vocals for the Prince version, which implies to me that, you know, it's an Apollonia 6 song. If it's Apollonia on the lead, Brenda... And Jill in the background, even though Jill wasn't a member of Apollonia Six, but she often right. <laughs> jumped on records whenever whenever vocals were needed, whether she was in the group or not officially. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it never got on either of those albums, and then he gave it to the Bengals. So yeah. that's a fun little story about how he kind of um offered it to the Bengals, I believe it said in spring of '85, which mm -hmm. he liked, and then you had a a bit of a, a story about that maybe just to touch on that if you don't mind how he yeah. became aware of them at least yeah there 
there was this interesting moment in the early 80s I was reading about where the Bengals were invited to be the opening act for Cindy Lauper when she was touring. And that was around the time that Prince became more familiar with the Bengals and their work. And he had heard the song from their first album in 1983. I think that's their first album. Um, Hero Takes a Fall. And he said, I really like this. And so he sent them a bunch of songs, apparently, or just like a few, maybe more than one. I'll say that because I don't have a specific number. But one of those songs was Manic Monday. And it's so funny, too, because you mentioned, you know, how on She's So Unusual, Cindy Lauper's first album, she did the When You Were Mine song, which is from Dirty Mind. But I definitely thought of Take Me With You from the Purple Rain soundtrack with Apollonia because it has a similar tenor. Like it's a more mellow song, you know, versus if you hear a song like Sex Shooter by Apollonia 6 or Nasty Girl by Vanity 6, those are more sexually explicit. They're like, the energy is different. It's a little bit funkier, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, this makes sense that he gave this song for the Bengals to consider. Yeah, and the Bengals um, accepted. There was, I think there was another song, to your point. There was definitely more than one. I think he offered them another song, and somebody who's listening can remind me of what that song was. But they were like, no, thank you to that song. But yes, <laughs> thank you very much for this song. And so they they accepted. Uh, it, it was one of those things where I think, um, according to the story, they were Prince was recording at Sunset Sound Studios around the same time as the Bangles. As you mentioned, Prince became aware of the Bangles and and um, you know appreciated their their skills, their abilities as as musicians, and you know admired admired their 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 music, uh, and decided you know this would be if it's not going to work out for Apollonia Six by now. And, you know, in '85 that that project's dead. Um, Sheila E, you know she she's making her own music with Prince. They, they don't really need a pop song like this, or maybe didn't think it was quite going to fit her image. Um, she had a quite, maybe a little bit of a different image and was going a different direction with her music. So like, what, why not? I mean, she was working with Sheena Easton at the time too. So mm-hmm. it didn't have to be people that were only in his camp or only signed to Paisley park records for him to work with them. So uh, he gave it to them. They recorded it for for their you know next record and it became a worldwide smash very successful song on the pop charts and highly recognizable as one of one of prince's most popular songs that he gave to someone else yeah almost to the point where people won't attribute the song to prince you know like most of the time people will attribute it to the bangles i'm just like no like so many hits if you even if you just go on google they do that Mm -hmm. and i've seen some people try to attribute it just to cindy lopper too and i'm like no 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 (laughs) (laughs) nope nope not at all people need to and the originals project was was pretty good for that i mean granted it's target audience us we already knew this but i think just because it's due to its release and people having it be kind of 
now again canon not only are people being told but you can hear prince's version so if you were a skeptic for whatever reason um or not sure like oh well he probably just you know wrote the chorus or something or just kind of minimizing his contribution to the songs like no this pretty much it was completely done by him and all they had to do was just take his vocals out and put theirs in place now the bangles did re-record the song they didn't do that which is not always the case i mean another example i feel for you that's clearly a re-recorded version because uh, again it wasn't written prince didn't write it and then give it to shaka khan it was a cover of a song that he had already recorded this is different because this was a song that he had never recorded and released so with his protégés how it usually worked was he would record a song with the guide vocals and then give it to them and they would just replace his vocals with theirs the bangles re-recorded the song it stays very faithful uh to the the, the original prince version there's not a lot of deviation and uh, as we start getting through the lyrics that's one of the things that i noticed for sure is that the lyrics didn't really change at all and the music state the tempo is slightly different between the two but it's not i don't think it's significant it doesn't transform the song bangles did their thing but it's not overly different in my mind yeah i just know it definitely strikes me like and i i'm not a musician so i don't always have the term for what i want to say but it feels airier like it feels much lighter in terms of how it feels to me sonically right because when you hear funk everything is gonna hit like hard and it's gonna sound like you should dance to it and this song feels like to me like you're almost contemplating like a spring morning you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a very airy song and a very uh it's not very funky (laughs) we're not gonna pretend like it's a funky song because it's not and that's not really but i think not really what he was designing to do with it i mean it's it would have i think it really would have worked for apollonia six if if Mm -hmm. if they could have gotten the right performance maybe out of apollonia or if it was sung by brenda i don't know um maybe could have been a hit but it's too late for that it's neither here nor there yeah although the version that Amelonian Prince did together. It's not bad. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's no not any worse than Take Me With You. Um Apollonia takes the lead vocal on this one in Prince in the background as opposed to Take Me With You, where Prince is the lead vocal and Apollonia is more of the background vocal. Right. And um, so you know, but there's some detriments and benefits to that as well. True. But if you're ready to go through the lyrics, I am as well. All right. Let's get down to it. Six o'clock already, I was just in the middle of a dream. I was kissing Valentina by a crystal blue Italian stream. But I can't be late, cause then I guess I just won't get paid. These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. Six o'clock already, I was just in the middle of a dream. I was kissing Valentino by a crystal blue Italian stream. But I can't be late, because then I guess I just won't get paid. These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. So, 
the Valentino, the reference to Valentino here early on in the song, I thought it was interesting just when I'm making connections on this show from previous episodes and previous songs. There's that reference to I strangled Valentino in in Private Joy. And then he has the Valentina song from Minneapolis Sound from you know a couple decades later. So this this uh these references to Rudy Val Rudolph Valentino, the um the famous actor, yeah. are are intriguing. It's intriguing that this is kind of like his go-to when talking about, you know, the classically handsome man. I just find yeah. it interesting, at least. <laughs> I do too, really, because one, other than he was like a huge film star, and they called him the Latin lover. <laughs> yep. You know, um, some people really interpreted Rudolph Valentino as kind of like effeminate, like men in particular during his heyday, but the women loved him, which to me kind of reminds me of Prince too, like. You know, he would wear his hair in this really stylized fashion and, you know, he would wear this pink powder on his face that kind of looked like rouge, which I don't know how much of that might have been affectation for black and white movies that he was in or silent films he was in, rather. But I was just like, I said, okay, so a guy who kind of does some of the things that people socially expect women to do, but all your girlfriends want to be with him and all the men wish they were in his shoes. Like that's a yeah. very Prince thing to me. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. That nice connection there because I, I had forgotten because I did a little research on him when we did the private joy episode, but that was a while ago now. So I had forgotten that was kind of his reputation as a ladies man, but also kind of a pretty boy. Yeah. And, and not the most uh, manly and masculine of men, even though, he was considered attractive by women and was um, highly desirable by women. So yeah. Yeah. Very, very astute connection there, Tara. <laughs> nice one. And it makes sense to be by the Italian crystal blue stream. Cause it's like an yeah. Italian dude in Italy. I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. What else with this first verse do you find interesting or want to call out anything in particular? Well, it's definitely a woman going to a nine to five job, which the older I get, the more I see how a lot of pop singers want to write a song about people going to work. And I think that's because that's what people connect with. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that idea, I know I mentioned earlier, I said some of these things feel very gendered and <clears throat> the idea of domesticity comes up in this song. And the first point where it hits me, is when she says, those are the days when you wish your bed was already made. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just so interesting to me because it's like, yeah, I remember growing up, one of the things that, you know, the elders in my family would be like, be like, you need to make your bed. You need to make your bed. And then my brother's not the same thing at all. <laughs> interesting. You know, not that same yeah. pressure. Yeah. So, it's it's really telling you know what you get trained to do other than go to work like we're trained to go to a nine to five but we're also trained to do certain chores as we're growing up you know in order yep. to feel like everything is orderly and neat in your mind 
Yeah, and I and I find it interesting as well, maybe a little funny that Prince, as you brought up writing a song about somebody working a nine to five job, um, you know, a very ordinary, potentially ordinary existence, depending on how you want to look at it, <clears throat> typical existence. And Prince did not live that life. He never really did, as no. far as all of the the accounts go even when he was i mean he i'm sure he had you know part-time jobs and and whatnot when he was growing up trying to make some make some money but by the time he was out of school music was his career and it's always been his career so the thought that you know he's writing this song about an experience that maybe he's never really had not not in maybe in the way that he's describing it in the song where it's like, I have to do this job to make a living and support myself. And as we'll find out, a, a deadbeat boyfriend. Um, <laughs> but that's not really his. He, he's not relying on his own personal experience for that. And maybe just more the experiences of his parents or his other family members or friends or just people who who aren't musicians, who who cannot make a living being in the arts. Um, and so I just or, find that funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it made me think, too. It's like, and particularly I was thinking about Rosie Gaines, who left after working with Prince and her career kind of like went, it evaporated after that. But um, just how many women he actually worked with and some of them, their careers took off and some of them did not. A lot of them, right? Yeah. Or they had this moment where it was a flash. So I, I can only imagine that with all the women he met and all the women he worked with, he had to have heard stories that kind of put him in that mindset too, probably. Sure. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? To me, it would, anyway. Yeah. It's just another Monday. I wish it was Sunday. We move on to the chorus after the first verse. The chorus is, it's just another manic Monday. And then you hear in the background, whoa, whoa. I wish it was Sunday, because that's my fun day. My I don't have to run day. It's just another manic Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, the chorus is very simple. I think it's, it's a nice, memorable chorus. The I don't have to run day is kind of fun to say. It's basically saying like this is just my chill day my relaxed day um, yeah. i don't have to do a whole lot which is the opposite of manic you know kind of describing manic meaning uh -huh. crazy and running around and um a little bit uh you know running late for things and just feeling like you're don't have enough time stressed out sunday is the opposite of that is what is basically he's saying in the chorus at least that's what i get out of it what do you think about the chorus tara I kind of like it because even though it's really simple repetition and rhyme, like you have Sunday, fun day, run day, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of there's this poetic form that Aga Shahid Ali popularized um, in the years before he died called the Huzzle. And in it, 
you have these internal rhymes at the end of the of each stanza which I'm sure Prince didn't know about it. it wasn't like popular in the United States at all at the time when he wrote this song and it came out but it has that kind of satisfying sound at the end of each verse that makes mm-hmm. you feel like yeah I like how it you know that's how how good poetry will perform even though it's not necessarily poetic it feels like a very straightforward kind of narrative in this song overall to me yeah and it doesn't go on too long it doesn't wear out its welcome yes like if if it would have been one or two more of those rhymes we're like okay we get it (laughs) yeah we're done with this sir (laughs) yeah yeah monday sunday fun day run day then monday again and that's it that's the chorus but yeah it's it's easy to sing along to uh it's it's performed very you know clearly enunciated well by both prince or the bangles depending on which version your version you're most familiar familiar with um there's a the bridge later on we'll get to it i i, I had some misheard lyrics there growing up but i never misheard any of the lines from the chorus we'll just leave it at that have to catch an early train got to be to work by night Next verse, have to catch an early train, got to be to work by nine. And if I had an airplane, I still couldn't make it on time. Because it takes me so long just to figure out what I'm going to wear. Blame it on the train, but the boss is already there. Okay, so Tara, um, with the second verse, is there anything in here that you wanted to call out or you know, mention? I feel like as someone who has been in this dilemma many times myself, I'm just like, oh God, I'm gonna be late again. They're gonna see me coming late. Like, and a lot of times it would, you know, when you think about women having wardrobe malfunctions, you know, like your clothes are tighter than you thought they were gonna be. There's a stain on it. There's, you know, mm-hmm. it may be, <laughs> you know, you don't want to wear it because your body changes and fluctuates during the month. You're like, oh, right. It can be any number of things that just make you feel really off in the morning and it throws off the whole thing unless you're one of those people who sets out your clothes the night before. (laughs) But even then, if you you might set your clothes out thinking that this will work and then you put it on and everything's changed. (laughs) And then you look up and then it's like, oh my God, it took 20 minutes to find... Like, I love that little minutiae of something so mundane in a song. But then also, you know that dread that you're going to walk in and your boss is going to see you walking in late because they're already there. Yeah. You know, it, it feels very, again, I feel like just the voice and the fact that you're thinking about it makes me wonder if this was somebody's story. Yeah, it definitely could be. It definitely could be. Uh, I'm sure he's heard stories like this from, mm-hmm. from his girlfriends or friends that were girls. Mm-hmm. and family members female family members and and again i i'm painting this again as a song to be sung by a woman right now 
the the I'm not I'm not trying to imply that men don't experience the same issues with clothes not looking right or fitting right or you know going through your wardrobe like ah what am I going to wear to work I'm not, I'm not trying to paint that as a solely female experience um, but I think if Prince again if Prince is writing this song to be relatable to the large percentage of the population coming from a woman that would be much more relatable than if this was being sung by a man because while a portion of the the male percent population would be like yeah yeah that's happened to me there might be a portion of the male population be like i what's he talking about i don't have that problem and yeah there are probably some women that have never had that problem either but i think again if we're just trying to generalize a bit this would make a, a, a tad more sense and be more relatable to women and coming from a woman mm-hmm. and then too i think it's interesting because i almost had this image in my mind of Susanna hoff standing in front of the closet like i hate everything in my closet mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just me probably embellishing it in my head a little bit well you know i mean we we have a visual the, the bangles were a popular enough group that we have enough music videos that they've created over the over the years walk like an egyptian for you know a big one another big one of theirs um mm-hmm. we can see them we can visualize you know the the performers having seen them enough so i do the same thing tara it's not <laughs> i i imagine that the performer in the space and performing the actions that they're singing in these types of songs you know the types of songs that that paint a picture that uh, provide that kind of of narrative story structure where you could imagine like it's the uh, a sitcom or yeah, or like uh the start of of a sitcom like the Mary Tyler Moore show it's the you know the Susanna Hoff show she's getting ready for work her her mean boss is upset because she's late again you know but she's so charming and beautiful that everybody just forgives her <laughs> it's kind of one of those scenarios <laughs> yeah Everybody needs a good Lou Grant to say it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Got to have the crusty boss, but deep down inside, uh, kind and gentle. Um, yeah. And taking the train, you know, and, you know, using public transportation, a very urban thing too. Uh, obviously that's not something that um, people who live in, in rural parts of the country typically have to worry about or, you know, that kind of experience. But, we've all even if we didn't grow up in that you've seen enough movies and television to know that yeah that's a very common way to get from point a to point b in a large urban setting is a train so very relatable still okay so then um we get to the chorus again and the chorus is identical mm-hmm. i won't go through that but then we get the bridge the nights why did my lover have to pick last night to get down then in background last night we got down doesn't it matter that i have to feed the both of us employment's down 
But when she tells me in her bedroom voice, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. Time, it goes so fast when you're having fun. Just another manic Monday. So this part, I got a little bit confused because I thought even in his version that he said when he tells me in her bedroom voice. Mm-hmm. Instead of she tells me in her bedroom voice. Because I know in the Bangles version, she says, but when he tells me in her bedroom, in his bedroom voice, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. But according to the transcribed lyrics that I'm looking at, right. he, he changes that pronoun to she and her. Which again, which, if it's being sung by Apollonia 6, that wouldn't track. Yeah. So that's going to look confusing. I was wondering about that too, because he doesn't always change his pronouns. No, not when it's clearly intended for a different gender to sing. Like he, when he writes a song, uh, for makeup as an example, we we heard Prince's version of makeup on originals, which mm-hmm. was clearly written for a woman and performed by Vanity Six by by Susan Moonzy, and that doesn't include any type of changing the pronouns to make it fit his vocals so i don't know maybe these lyrics are transcribed wrong maybe he does say he and his Uh so i i when i listen to them i don't hear a difference so when i'm reading them right now i'm like huh is that right right Um, or was it just you know he having one of was he having one of those precocious moments where he's like look I'm not singing to no band. Like, <laughs> I feel I like he has moments like that in interviews and stuff where yeah, he tried yeah. to get a little sassy about it. I'm yeah, like, it was the whole the whole bad thing with Michael Jackson. Your butt right. is mine. No, you're not telling me that. Yeah, <laughs> your butt is mine. It kind of made me think about that exactly. But yeah. um, yeah, and I also feel like it's one of those pronoun changes that either one somebody did that in their transcription which happens a lot on the internet where they just put Mm -hmm. what they think they want to put but those are probably easy to shift out of in and out of right like yeah very all he had to put is he and his and it's done right and so again if if he wrote the song with the intention of being sung by a woman it ended up being sung by a woman even if it wasn't the original intention so either or, when you look at it this way, the woman is the breadwinner in this situation. She's right. she's the one that's making the money to support herself. And I called him a deadbeat, but that's maybe not fair. <laughs> maybe not fair. I mean, he says, you know, employment's down. So it's just, you know, the economy is maybe tanking at the time and it's hard to find a job. And maybe this person had a good job and lost it. Or maybe this person mm-hmm. is an artist and they're a struggling artist who knows what the scenario is but the bottom line is you know he says and and she sings i have to feed the both of us right which it kind of put me in the mindset of one is this during the reagan era Mm -hmm. so employment was down like that i wonder how many people were actually going through that at the time but then also and this is I think it pre it definitely predates Tracy Chapman's song Fast Car. Yes. Which, you know, in that song too, you know, which is now having a resurgence because, you know, 
the singer that was on American, one of those singing competition shows, yeah. you know, made it more popular for white audiences in a way that it wasn't when it came the first time around. I think, you know, Chapman's song does the same thing to do that thing where it's a woman, even though it's a daughter and a, a father, it, the father has to depend on the daughter because the mother has left. But this one is more like contemporary in the sense of, even though it's the older song, Prince's song has a woman talking about what does it mean to support the person who's traditionally been considered the breadwinner? Mm -hmm. You know, which I think that's the most interesting thing in the song to me, right? That, that she's talking about that. And even though she's kind of like, it's almost like this moment where you can tell she feels bad about the situation or maybe she's feeling like some regret or something about like there's some kind of feeling that's not good but then also wishing she could stay in the bed too at the same time and I don't know if it's because oh god I don't want to go to work and I hate Mondays like everybody else but also just wanting to linger with your lover you know mm -hmm. it's almost like kind of like an obad which the classic poems do that um if you've ever heard of an obad it's a french form where you write the poem about being in the bed with your lover in the morning and it's that moment where you kind of feel that longing like you don't want to leave you two both still want to be in the bed so the the situations that may pull you out of the bed may make the poem very different but in this one, she's pulled out of bed by her job and their financial need, which makes it kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. just the same old stuff. Like, I got to go no. to work. No, and she could have. I mean, if she if she really wanted to, she could have turned him down and refused to get down the night before she had to get up in the morning to go to work. Right. <laughs> she really wanted to, but she didn't. She clearly didn't. Um, yeah, she you wants know, to be there. She, right. She wanted to connect and she she wanted to en enjoy their time together as well. And so, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. And and she's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but, you know, now I got to pay the price because you can just lay in bed the next morning and uh, sleep in because you're not working at the moment. I am the sole breadwinner. Therefore, I cannot call in sick or be late for fear right. of, of losing the only job that is paying our bills. Right. And I think that's such a common couple dilemma, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of what your pronouns are or, you know, who's the breadwinner. It's like, how do you balance time around your working life and your love life? Yeah. And you know who's got it easier in the relationship like those are those age-old conflicts for anybody in a relationship yeah very relatable another another aspect of the song that is very relatable which again i i think we both agree it helped it to become as popular as it as it ended up becoming uh, a super relatable story with relatable lyrics sung in a simple but effective and catchy way um, and performed in a simple and effective and catchy way. Just at all, like the form, like if there's a formula for a popular 
song, Prince clearly understood that and wrote that, wrote this song, Manic Monday, with with all of those, you know, all, with that formula in mind, and was able to plug in the different variables to get the equals to a ba pop it <laughs> i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah i just thought it was interesting the whole dynamic around that but for me the the misheard lyric was in this bridge mm-hmm. uh, i think it was just like why did my lo- all the nights why did my lover have to pick last night to get down was maybe not as clear to me as a as a much younger person when the song was mm-hmm. popular maybe because also i didn't there's so many euphemisms for having sex. I couldn't keep track of all of them <laughs> when right. I was a kid. So I didn't know getting down was just another way of saying having sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I probably didn't hear getting down because I didn't know where Susanna was going with, with that lyric. And I just never registered it as a child until much later that, oh, this bridge is about the fact that she stayed up too late having sex with her with her lover and now she's tired and and dragging a bit the next day but she can't (laughs) she can't do anything about it she has to still just function and move on with life as everything is normal that's very clear to me now but it wasn't clear to me as a child i'll just be honest i mean looking back on it i do recall it being like i knew it was a love song as a young person um where there was some kind of closeness but i always remember too like her phrasing and by extension prince's phrasing because the stuff on the originals album it sounds like pretty much she takes his phrasing for it anyway um i always remember her saying all of my nights like it's emphasized more than the other words in that particular verse and I was just like, oh, I could see how you would remember that as the first line in that break. But the rest of it is not, she doesn't say it the same way. No. You know, and of well, course, come on, honey, let's part. go make some noise. Part was a part that I, I also very much remembered. And I'm like, didn't quite understand what, what going, let's go make some noise. I didn't. Yeah necessarily know what that meant either there's there's Mm -hmm. just too many different ways that that could be interpreted especially when you're young (laughs) right and and we know like if you listen to enough prince records there's always a euphemism for sex and sexuality and sometimes they got really esoteric like some of the ones on love sexy and stuff like that but this is pretty straightforward and you could tell it's it's just like I'm going to do this skate by reference that would pass on the radio almost. Mm-hmm. So it kind of lends to what you were saying earlier about like the formula for a pop song that's really could be successful. Yeah. And it's really the the thing that this, this mention of, you know, having, we'll say a vigorous sex in lengthy, <laughs> we'll call it a lengthy sex encounter that makes it very 80s prince if you're thinking of the different songs that he wrote for other artists or were recorded by other artists like what's a common what's a common besides being a well-written song because we don't want to just 
um, you know, filter prints down to being sexual. But besides being a well-written song, one of the common denominators to a lot of Prince's hits for other people was its sexual with it was its sexuality or the insertion of mentions of sex, whether it's in the bridge, in the chorus, a line here or there, somewhere like okay, well this. You can't have a song just about a woman who's just struggling with her day to, to you know, to get to work and, and maintain her sanity. There also has to be a mention of her having a wonderful sexual encounter the night before with her boyfriend. Therefore, <laughs> she's she's very tired and and uh, not really wanting to get up to go yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, one, you can only fit so much in a song. But I do like that there's some interiority in it, right? Like, you hear some of what she's thinking in the song. That has nothing to do with him. Like, we don't even really hear anything about him till you get nope. to the end of the song, which I kind of nope. like. Yeah, it's not about it's not about him at all. He, he's just yeah. brought up until the very end when, or towards the end, when she has to make another excuse to why her day is not going as as, as planned. Right, which I think that's really relatable too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have our lives, and we all live our lives on our own. Even if we live with other people, the vast majority of our daily life, especially on you know weekdays or working days, we do it solo. Um, yeah. We get ready for work solo. A lot of times, we're eating breakfast solo, just on the run or because we have to get up at a different time than somebody else or get to work at a different time than somebody else that we're living with. We spend a lot of our day away from our families and partners. Uh, we may come together in the evening and may, may be late. They may have plans. We may have plans. So a lot of our day could just be on our own by ourselves, even if we are living with others and part of a, a larger familial unit. Mm-hmm. And so that makes sense that her day, even though she has a boyfriend and she has, you know, um, a life outside of work, her experience in this song, the experience that Prince has, has written about is a very truncated portion of her day. This is just the, you know, from the time I wake up to the time I get to work, this is how I'm feeling. And this isn't, and I'm not necessarily having the greatest Monday morning. <laughs> Case of the Mondays by Prince. <laughs> you know, which is kind of wonderful to hear that. And I know um, it had me thinking about, because you mentioned how he never had a traditional job. It had me thinking, have you seen that documentary, Mr. Nelson on the North Side? I did, actually, yeah. So do you think that kind of coincides with some of the stuff in this conversation as far as him never having a regular job? Because I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. Yeah, I mean, it just was a, a very well done documentary, but it, it was from the, you know, the perspective of, of all these other people that Prince interacted with at some point in his life. Yeah. But many of them will, will just for the sake of argument call them normal people, meaning like they had regular jobs just like the rest of us and mm-hmm. had had uh, people that we had to report to and to um you know performance reviews and uh, all all the stuff that goes along with having a regular job 
we weren't, not all of us can just be our own bosses and be mm -hmm. successful at it. And even for those of us who are, are our own bosses, it can be a struggle because then, you know, you're solely responsible for everything. Right. So it's, it's a struggle. And I think he understood that he, he was not sheltered. I mean, we all kind of know those of us who listen to the show are probably well-versed in Prince's upbringing and, and understand, yes, his parents were musicians, but they were struggling musicians. They weren't successful like Prince, financially speaking. So, so just the whole, yeah, we got to get up. We got to go to work. We got to, you know, make money. And as I'm sure his stepdad was the same way after his mother got remarried. These are things that people do, Prince. This yeah. is something that is a normal experience. You are not typical and yeah he and he clearly understood that i thought so too and i mean that's why i brought up the documentary i mean there's some people i'm sure who are listening to your show who are very aware of that you know and i'm sure our fans of the documentary as well um but i was thinking about that and even that i thought about it a lot because there was that clip that came out, I think it was last year or a couple years ago, maybe when I think it was the earliest clip of Prince caught on television. Like he was like seven years old and he still looks like Prince. I was like, Oh my God, how are you seven years old? With this I can still identify you. And they had to go back and verify it with all these people who actually knew him. And they were calling him by like his childhood nickname. And I think, because unfortunately he's not here and people have really gotten into his work now we get to see that side of him right mm -hmm. of him as somebody who could identify with working class people because the side that we saw for most of if not all of his life was the celebrity right mm -hmm. so it's kind of nice to not just have inklings of it in the songs but to actually know for people who probably would just be very much enamored with him and have stars in their eyes you know <laughs> yeah well there really isn't much more automatic monday than what we've already covered tara the the chorus yeah. comes in again and that's how the song ends um the whoa, whoa is always a very nice part of the song as far as like being able to sing along to it and catchy mm -hmm. again just there's aspects of the song that just make it very uh, memorable whether or not it, you know from an earworm perspective whether or not you like the song or not mm -hmm. it is catchy as hell and it's very difficult to not sing along to it when you hear it on the radio i've heard the song i don't know about we'll say a hundred times give or take in my life and um i know while i don't think it is my it's not my favorite song but not my favorite prince composition by any stretch Mm -hmm. But it is, it's a very good and well-written song that I cannot deny. And it and its popularity is well-earned, in my opinion. Yeah. And how many songs have an alliterative title with M's? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Good I'm, question. <laughs> I'm just entertained by that sonically, too, you know? <laughs> As a writer, that would be something you would pick up on, wouldn't it? <laughs> Manic Monday. Like, you just want to be like, mm. yeah. but um, I, I did feel kind of like 
the one thing that was interesting in looking back at this song is like how there were so many covers and and they're mostly women like the Billy Joe Armstrong Green Day with Susanna Hoffs is the only one by a guy that I found and then to have two of them that I found that were by these Japanese artists I was like it kind of was interesting to see the reach because I think the there was one by Shiho Nanba that's on her cover album called Choice. But then there was another one by this Japanese artist who goes by Bonnie Pink and she sings it in English. So I'm like, okay, what's happening in Japan that they keep coming back to this song? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a karaoke favorite or. You know, one yeah, yeah. one of the two artists popularized it, and the other one said, "I want to do it too." I don't know, yeah, but something in the water. <laughs> yeah, it's always kind of interesting to see how songs travel that way. Well, Tara, do you have anything else to say about Manic Monday? Because if not, we'll call it. We can take a wrap on it for now, but I'm. It's always a pleasure and to chop it up and think about the poetics in in print songs and how they change, you know, or how they kind of, there's layers of meaning in them, even though they're deceptively simple sometimes, right? Yeah. Case in point, Manic Monday, deceptively yeah. simple, but there's more going on than, than I think I for sure initially thought when I was preparing for this episode, let's put it that way. Mm. So can you share maybe with uh, the listeners, the audience, um, any social media um, sites that you'd like to point them to, to learn more about you or check on you? Well, um, I am actually on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm shying away from the microblogging site that is now owned by Elon Musk a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> Fair. But, uh, <laughs> Um, and you know, so if you want to find me there, I'm at Shy Town Bets. I think it might be Tar Bets Shy Town. Somebody hacked my original account, but I'm definitely on there. Go to the one that has the most recent updates. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm still just you know bopping around. I'm teaching mostly at DePaul University here in Chicago, but there you can find me. You can still find me on Facebook. So, yeah. Okay. I'll point him in that direction, Tara. Thank you. Sounds great. And I hope you have a good Monday and many other days. <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenniger. You can find the show at PressRewind.net. Um, also on social media, the various locations, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, X youtube so check them out if those are your social media platforms of preference and until next time thank you very much and goodbye i wish it was sunday